so glad that you're joining us today, either in person or those of you who are joining online, welcome. We are we're wrapping up our series, Family Circus, and uh, hopefully that's been beneficial to you. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that in a moment, but just want to let you know a few things. Uh, it's hard to believe, but uh, Easter is just... A few, three weeks away, in fact, three weeks away. And next week, we're going to begin a new message series. Uh, and that is titled, I Didn't See That Coming. And we're, uh, and that's really the story of a resurrected Jesus, right? Uh, but we're going to be looking at that through uh, a lot of people that were surrounding him because there's a lot of people who didn't understand at the time what Jesus was doing. And listen, they're no different than you and I. Right? Because sometimes it's hard to look around the world and still see what God is doing in and among us. And so we're going to be looking at that. And I want to tell you next week, I'm really excited because we're going to be doing something together that's going to take a few weeks to do in preparation for Easter. And it's going to be one of those things that, as we tell you the title, I didn't see that coming. You're not going to see it coming. All right? And it's going to be a lot of fun. So join us next week. Uh, we're really going to have a good time. And be thinking about somebody that you want to invite uh, to be a part of that. I think it'll be really, really good. Uh, one of the, the core things about Wellhouse is we have a DNA that is wildly generous, that we, uh, we believe that God loves us really generously, that he would give his one and only son for us because he loves us. And because we're called to love him and love others, that we want to be wildly generous. And so we encourage you to give of your time, talent, resources. And one of the ways that you can give, you can actually go on our website, uh, push pay app, download that. You can give through there. We also have a red box out back if you like a check and cash kind of guy. I'm still not very hip. So I do the check and cash, but a lot of you are way cooler than me. Uh, and, and you give through that, and that's, that's great too. Um, it's hard to believe that uh, my family and I have been here now for just about six months, uh, and that's been incredible. Uh, it's been an incredible journey so far to get to, uh, to meet with a lot of you, and there's still a lot of you that we uh, want to sit down with and, and, and have uh, dinner and conversations with. But over the last several months, uh, we've been talking with the leadership here, and we've been talking about the future of Wellhouse and what does that look like. And, and I can tell you for sure that I see God on the move. Uh, and I don't know about you, but I, I see God on the move, and I see God opening up doors and opportunities, and, and I'm really excited about that. And I, I believe our leadership is really excited about that, the, the opportunities that God continues to put in our way and the opportunities that we get to keep saying yes to. And that's exciting. What I'll tell you is uh, a part of God is uh, following God is stepping out in faith. Right, I mean, uh, it, it's hard to, to to follow God and not sometimes, you know, like uh, eventually it's a point where you're like, all right, I gotta take a toe and put it out of the boat, and this is a little bit frightening here. And so we recognize that stepping out in faith is scary, and following God sometimes is scary, and it takes commitment and. And it takes a willingness to sacrifice what you want now for what you, what you feel like God is calling you to most, right? Sometimes it's like maybe you're, you know, you're a 
you're, you're dieting. And it's like, I really want to lose weight, but I love tacos. You know I mean? Like whatever it is. And so it's this constant struggle of, 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 of sacrificing what you want right now for what you want most or what God is calling you to most. And so sometimes what's comfortable is the very thing that's holding you back from where God wants to lead you. I'm going to say that again because I believe that there's probably somebody who needs me to say that again. Sometimes what is comfortable is the very thing that's holding you back from where God wants to lead you. At Well House, we talked about in January that we want to be, our motto is a place for good. A, a place where, where, where God does good works. And, and that place goes everywhere, right? That, that it goes with you. So on your job, at school, you know, in your family, wherever you are, you are a place for good. And believe it or not, that's how Wellhouse started, right? It, it started for a place for the broken, the hurting, and the tired, the weary, the, the doubting, the skeptical, the outcast, and an imperfect people. And we all come together and find the good news, the good news of God. We're dedicated to the idea that anybody, no matter of your background, no matter of your baggage, no matter of your history, in fact, no matter what happened last night or this morning, you can find hope in Christ. And we, we not only believe that, we want to be that, we want to build that, and we want to expand that. We feel like the future of Wellhouse looks something like this. It's a place where good happens, where we can meet needs and heal the hurting and welcome people home more than just an hour or two on Sunday. It's a place where we can invest more time in people than we do setting up and tearing down chairs. It's a place where we partner with local ministries to share in being a place for good in our community. A place where young children grow and thrive in their own adequate spaces. And it's equipped to demonstrate that we value them well. A place where you can invite a friend to coffee and sit down and share what's going on in your life together. That's what we envision Wellhouse being. A home where you can serve and share and welcome and heal. That's the future of Wellhouse. But again, we understand that this all requires us to take a step of faith and sacrifice what is comfortable for where God is leading us. And you probably heard this phrase before, right? Like, talk is cheap. And you've heard somebody say, like, uh, you know, hey, listen, I'm going to do X, Y, or Z. And then, you know, you waited and you waited and you waited and, like, X, Y, and Z never happened. And so then over the course of time, you became more skeptical, right? Because talk is cheap. We've learned that in life. And so instead of talking, I want you to know that we're taking a step of faith in this process of the future of Wellhouse. And we don't want to just talk about it, but we're actually going to go ahead and take a step of faith out of the boat. And step number one is eliminating extra expenses and saving some funds so that we can have a new home, a permanent home. 
And while our office space, uh, you know, right there on the corner of Maine and Long Hollow has been wonderful. It's been a great space where leadership can come together and talk and, you know, where, where Chris and I and, and our, our staff have come together and, and gather around tables and talked and, and discussed and all those things. It's, it's been a very comfortable space. It's been convenient. We would rather sacrifice convenience over what we feel like God is calling us to in the future. And so we've chosen, we have chosen not to renew the office space in the lease. Instead, begin to bankroll those funds to help us find a new home. This is just step one. And there's going to be lots of other steps in the future along the way. And eventually we'll ask you what you might consider uh, sacrificing as a convenience to partner with us in our future home. We honestly don't know all of the steps involved in finding a more permanent place. As you can imagine, there's a lot of steps involved. And those of you who've been in, in the process of maybe buying a home or selling a home, you, you get that there's a lot of things involved in all of that. What I can tell you now is that we're working on several other steps. We put together a finance team that's reviewing the budget and going to be helping fine-tune some of the unnecessary expenses so we can continue to be wildly generous while trying to find a more permanent home. And we've also been scouring our community for places to lease or purchase or build. We're just kind of open to wherever God wants us to be, and we want to be open to that. We've also been talking with local government agencies and, and, off, and community places as options and spaces to, to look for uh, so that we can help our community best. We've started conversation with local ministries and outreach efforts to see the possibility of partnering together in one place for good. The truth is there are really a lot of great outreach organizations here in this area. Wellhouse's mission is to be more than that. We don't want to add just another thing to those already serving in this area. Our mission is to partner with and create a place for good. A place where the gospel is lived out not through preaching, although that will happen but through serving, through community involvement, through partnerships, through individual and community transformation. And through God, we know this is possible. Like we mentioned last week, God can use an imperfect faith from a hurting people to change the world. And guess what? <laughs> you and I, we qualify for that. So what can you do right now as we look at what God is calling us to in the future? And, and I hope you're excited. I'm, I'm super pumped. And I'm really ready to see what God is going to continue to do with Wellhouse. I want to call you to do three things. Actually, one th thing, but with three steps. And we have some cards. Here we are. They look a little bit like this on one side. And on the other side, there's a little bit more writing. 
And I'm going to ask you, if you would, to commit yourself and maybe your family or your spouse or whatever that looks like to praying every day for the next 30 days with three things for Wellhouse. The first one is to pray that Wellhouse will be faithful to follow God, even when it takes us outside of our comfort zone. I don't know about you, but every story that I find in the Bible where God does something with somebody else, right, it's always outside of their comfort zone, right? He calls Moses to lead his people, and Moses is like, nah, I don't think so. You know, that's not me. God calls him outside of his comfort zone, and every step along the way, God does that. So we want to be faithful in praying that God would help us to be faithful in following him even outside of our comfort zone. Number two, that God would give us his spirit of unity as we work together for the future. Uh, unity doesn't always look like uniformity. <laughs> we may have different ideas, different thoughts, right? I mean, that's just the way God created us, and diversity is wonderful. But having a spirit of unity that we understand what our mission is and that we work together for that, that, that God has called us to be a presence in this community, uh, to, to send out his good news we want to pray for that. And the last thing is that God would open doors for us to find a new home where we can love and serve and minister more to the hurting and tired and outcast in our community. So I would love for you to take that, you know, maybe it's in your car or maybe it's on the fridge at home or, you know, maybe maybe you love Netflix and Hulu. And so the place where you do that every day, you like put a piece of tape and you put that up there so that every time you do that, you remember, oh yeah, we said that we we're gonna do that. For the next 30 days, we ask every day that you, would, that you would pray specifically over those things with us. We're looking forward to what God is doing. And we're looking forward to doing that with you. Um, we think God is on the move, and we are excited to be a part of that here in this area. I, uh, I'm excited, I've been excited about this series, Family Circus. Uh, a lot of it is because it really, it really just identifies the struggles that we have in life, right? And sometimes we think, it's, you know, it's like a parenting issue. You're like, man, this is my kids, right? There's something, there's, there's brain damage involved. And if they were right, then this would be easy, right? Or maybe it's your spouse and you think, all right, man, if, if this nincompoop would get their stuff together, then maybe things would be a little bit easier. Maybe it's the in-laws who really are like the outlaws, right? And you just thinking that life would be easier if they were, you know, lived on the other side of the world or whatever it is. I mean, and you begin to think, all right, the family circus is everybody else, all those other clowns in the car, right? And if all the other clowns in the car would just get out of the car, then I would be able to really make some headway in life. Been there before? Oh, come on, church. I know I'm not alone in that. The first week we talked about legacy, and I ask you, what legacy? It's not about are you leaving a legacy. You are. But what legacy do you want to leave 
In the second week in this series, we talked about priorities, right? And how, how important it is to, to keep and to identify our priorities and keep them a priority. And I mentioned that it's impossible to keep your priorities straight while you continue to walk in circles, right? You've been there before where it's like you, you keep revisiting the same stuff. You said, I'll never do that again. And then here you are again, right? I'm never going to do it again. I'm, I'm over this. And then all of a sudden you're back there again. And a lot of times it's because we don't keep our priorities priority straight, right? We keep walking in circles. It's hard to keep your priority straight when you continue to walk in circles. And last week we talked about faith. We talked about these giants of faith and how sometimes it's like, well, the reason my, my family doesn't look like, like the, the, that family at church or that family that I grew up that was like, they were perfect. I mean, they had a perfect faith, but I don't have a perfect faith. And so sometimes I doubt and sometimes I question and sometimes I'm just hanging on by a thread. But we reminded ourselves last week that God can use imperfect faith from hurting people. And that's you and I to change the world. And that's still true today. Today we're, we're closing out this series, and uh, as, as Butch mentioned, this idea of God is in control, and he said today, is it all right if I steal some of your thunder? And I was like, bro, I don't have no thunder. Like, I was, <laughs> zero thunder do I have, right? Um, but today we're closing it out with this idea that God is in control. And uh, if you have your Bible, go ahead and open up to, to Matthew chapter 16, and I'm going to preface what happens right before we get into this story. In Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 13, Jesus asks his disciples a question. And, and he says, I want to know who people say that I am. Who do they say I am? And they respond back, you know, some say uh, you're John the Baptist, others Elijah, right, that, that you're one of the prophets. And he's like, all right, good, good, good. Now, who do you say that I am? And Peter, being Peter, if you know anything about him, right, he's kind of brash and outspoken and sticks his foot in his mouth a lot of times. He's a little bit like me. He says, you're the Christ, meaning you're the anointed one. You're the one that we've been waiting for this whole time. God had promised long ago to the, to the nation of Israel that he was going to send a coming Messiah that would right all of the wrongs. And he says, I identify you as the anointed one, the son of God, the Messiah, the one who was to come and right the wrongs. Jesus says, yep, you got it. In fact, Peter, it's on that very truth that I'm going to build my church. And there's nothing on earth that's ever going to overcome that. And I have to be thinking, you know, at that point, Peter's like, this is awesome. I finally got something right. Like I, I was outspoken and I said something and I was right. Mark it down, right? And he's got to be jazzed. I mean, this has got to be some of the most exciting news that he has heard, right? Because what is he? Well, he's a reject fisherman. 
Uh, he, was, he was the guy who went to school with all of his little Jewish buddies at the time, and uh, the smarter ones went on, but he returned home because he was going to be a fisherman for the rest of his life until Jesus says, hey, listen, want to come follow me, which is what a rabbi would say, which he wasn't good enough to follow a rabbi. And so finally he's in, and he, he's not only in, but he's in in. He's in in with the anointed one, with the one that all the prophets had said, listen, there's one to come who will right all the wrongs. And Peter's like, yes. Great, perfect. And that's where our story picks up today. Keep going on here in Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 21. It says that from that time on, from the time on when Jesus said, yes, I am the anointed one. I'm the Messiah. I'm the one that all the prophets talked about. And Peter's like, yes. Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day raised to life. It's like, what? Hold on. No, 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 no. Uh, that's not at all what the prophets talked about. No, 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 no. Jesus, you just finally said, you know, like, we made it. We did it. You're the one. And I'm here with you. I'm like in the inner circle, man. So Peter being Peter says he took him aside and began to rebuke him. He said, never, Lord. This will never happen to you. I'm convinced that the American dream is safety and security and provision enough that you never have to worry about safety and security. Like you never have to worry about anybody infringing on those things, right? Because you have everything you need. But maybe it's not just the American dream. Maybe it's just the dream of every human being. That you kind of have it your way. It's the Burger King mentality. And I wonder what you would do if you were Peter. Right? That you knew of the prophets long ago. And, and so Jesus asked you point blank. All right. All cards on the table. Right? I need you to tell me. Who do you think I am? And he says, I'm going to go out on a limb here. And I'm going to say, you're the Messiah. And he says, you're right. You're right I am. And even the gates of hell can't overcome it. And on that truth, everything is built. And guess what? I'm going to suffer and die. I wonder what your response would be. Maybe you feel like your job is for everything to go really smoothly. In fact, maybe you don't have to be Peter <laughs> to feel that way. Maybe that's just your life. Like, man, I really need things to go my way. I really need things to go smoothly. I really, you know what? I need this situation just to kind of iron itself out. I, I, I need things to kind of line up properly because if they upset my apple cart, I'm not really sure what to do. And so we grasp for control. And that's really what Peter's trying to do here. All right, listen, I don't even need you talking about this. We're going to control, we're going to squelch this thing right here and right now because we're not even going to go down that road. 
And so Peter begins to grab for control, but I don't think that's just Peter's problem. I think that's a you and I problem. Because I'm convinced that you and I are similar in the fact that we don't like it when we feel out of control. And you really, really like for things to go your way. And I'm guessing, I'm just going to go out on a limb here, and you can tell me later, Steve, you're all washed up, you're wrong, man. But I'm guessing that the harder you grab for control, the less peace you find in your life. Like the more you're like, all right, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have the perfect family with the perfect spouse and the perfect kids and things are going to go perfectly at home and I'm going to have the perfect job and the finances are going to be, and I'm just going to try to wrangle everything and then the harder you wrangle it in, the less peace you have, the more things come unraveled all around the seams. And there's a reason why. Because peace comes from the, it doesn't come from the fruit of control, it comes from the fruit of the Holy Spirit. I'll say it one more time. Peace doesn't come from the fruit of control. Ah, I got it all under control. Now I have peace. It doesn't happen that way. The Bible reminds us that, that peace comes as a fruit of the Holy Spirit. That when we surrender our lives and we surrender control, that the Spirit brings peace, even when there are things that are going crazy. We're reminded uh, last week, right, that, that, that they were on the boat and the winds and the waves, and they were about to die, and Jesus is, what is he? Come on. He's asleep. Right? He has peace. And it doesn't come from controlling everything. It comes from the Holy Spirit. Peter tries to grab for control and says, no, 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 no. We're not going to let this thing go that way. And Jesus has to respond in verse 23. Jesus turns to him and says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. And if you have a highlighter or underline or whatever in your Bible or just make a mental note of this today, you don't have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Jesus' words to Peter were harsh, but, but so important to understand. We all want control for it to go our way. But the truth is, some of the biggest regrets we have were our own decisions. It's as if we live like a lot of times, if everybody would just let me figure it out and then do it, then it will all go smoothly. But I, I'm, I want to tell you something. Every bad decision you made, you were there for. You made it. In fact, you are a mastermind. The problem is you're the mastermind behind all your worst ideas. And that's the problem, isn't it? Like, we, we long to have it in our control, and then somehow when we have it in our control, it's like it all kind of crumbles anyway, and you're like, ah, well, shoot. 
And Jesus says, you know, you know why that happens, right? Because you're concerned merely about you. Peter, you're merely concerned about you. You see it from your perspective. You, you have this human understanding of the situation, but my concern is way bigger than that. My concern is on a much elevated level. So in order for this to work, we can't go with how you understand it. We can't go with your control. We're going to have to go with mine. So Peter has to give up some control. But he's not done. Verse 24 says this. Then Jesus says to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple, whoever wants to be my follower, who wants to kind of come after me, they must highlight this, deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life, who wants to hang on, is going to lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. Band, if you'll come on up as we kind of close out our thoughts together today. Jesus reminds Peter and the rest of the disciples that the beginning steps of this thing called following Christ... It's about following Jesus and letting go. Letting go of the desire to try to control every little thing. Letting go of the illusion that you can actually do that anyway. I used to be a, a therapist and I would sit and I would meet with individuals and couples and, and I would meet with a husband and I would meet with a wife and it was always very interesting because they had two different tales of what was going on at home. And how the other person was generally, you know, the moron or the jerk or the idiot, right? And, and nine times out of ten, they would say, if this person would just... And I would say, how many times have you just tried to explain that to them? A thousand times, they just won't get it. Yeah, I know. Have you ever thought for a minute that you can't control them? In fact, <laughs> it's hard enough to control you. And you've wrestled with you your whole life. And you still don't have it. So the thought or the illusion that you could possibly control them, you might as well throw that out the window until you can figure out how to control you better. So Jesus says... The key to following him is to release control and trust God. If you want to truly follow him, you lose your life, you lose control, and you trust that he will fill in the gaps. See, you're never going to find life, real life, important life, valuable life, until you put to death the part of you that's all about you. You're never going to find real, true, valuable, meaningful life. You're never going to feel content, full, at peace until you put to death the you that's all about you. And that's hard.
And so today, I want to pray a prayer over you, over me. And the prayer is just about surrendering control to God. And I don't know what that is for you today. Maybe surrendering control is like this pride issue, like I gotta, I gotta have it my way. Maybe the control area is, you know, with your future, with a spouse, with children. Maybe it's the control that that that, that you've got to get things perfect and right. Or maybe it's that it's the appearance of perfect and right. If that's you, then I want to speak this prayer over you. God, we offer ourselves to you to build us and to do with us as you will. Relieve us of the bondage of self that we may better do your will. Take away the difficulties. Take away the struggle. Take away the grasp for control so that we may have victory over that to lose our life, to find you that we may love your life and love your way and find hope and peace and security in you. God, today we give you our control as we never had it to begin with. And in fact, every time we tried to wrestle for it. It just, it just flopped back in our face. So we give it to you and we just faithfully walk in obedience, surrendering it all to you, trusting that as we lose our life, we'll find life in you. We pray all of it in the power and might Jesus Christ. We all say.